0: Everyone to another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I am so excited to have the guests we have on today and to be sharing them with you. We have the artistic director with She NYC Arts, Danielle De Mateo, and the playwright Eleanor T. Vanderberg, who are part of the show Bloodshot that's playing now through October 14th and running in rep at ART New York. You can get your tickets, just like we did, and more information by visiting SheNYCarts.org. We are so excited to be welcoming on this theater company and this playwright of this wonderful show onto our program. So let's go ahead and welcome on our guest, Eleanor, Danielle, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having us.
2: Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here.
0: I am so excited to have the both of you here, and of course, we are talking about two huge subjects. Of course, Danielle, with you, we're talking about She NYC Arts, and then Eleanor, we're talking about your wonderful show, Bloodshot. So, I want to start with you, Danielle, and I want—I would love if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about She NYC Arts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So SHE NYC is a nonprofit organization that fights for gender equity in the arts and entertainment industry. We were founded in 2015 and we started out as just a really tiny theater festival in New York City. We had our first year, it was just a week-long production that did five shows at The Tank. And ever since then, it's grown quite a bit. Our second year, we had to expand to a bigger venue because we got so many more script submissions and audience members. The year after that, we expanded to Los Angeles because we got a lot of demand for this programming out on the West Coast. The year after that, we made a high school program for New York City high school students. Then we expanded to Atlanta. And now in 2024, we're expanding into Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, so yeah, it's been a it's been a wild journey and it's grown a lot, but we as a whole are just striving to create a new way that people can become working professionals within the theater industry that doesn't involve so much gatekeeping and so many barriers to entry that the entertainment industry usually has. We have a completely open script submission process so that we can find Writers based on their talent alone, and then we help try to shepherd them through their careers. And this newest production is our first ever full sit down off Broadway run of shows by our festival alumni playwrights. So, this is a really big step for us in helping move the careers of the writers that we find along.
0: That sounds incredible, and holy cow, that growth! I love it. <laughs> now, Eleanor. You have one of these shows that she, NYC Arts has been producing, and that, of course, is Bloodshot, which is playing right now. Can you tell us a bit about your play?
2: Yes, Bloodshot is 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 a it's a noir inspired psycho caper, which is a term that I made up. Which. You know, use your imagination. Um, It's a mystery about a a coroner living in the city, which of course is a fictionalized version of New York City or a city near you, who is three years into an epic. Epidemic where people have lost the ability to sleep. I started this show when I was when I was a a newly married and very much working retail non parent, and so it's kind of amazing the road that it's gone. been the fact that now it's being produced off Broadway, you know, and my life has changed so much. And you know, we went through a pandemic as well. But yeah, the show Bloodshot is really it's it's something that kind of harnesses this collective anxiety that is fueled by really the state of our nation, capitalism and wealth disparity, the experience of being Black in America as well, and how this manifests in, you know, and kind of where the show situates us, which is a moment where bodies are now spontaneously bursting. So this coroner who, you know, is tasked with going and cleaning up is also uh, investigating the case along with his de facto partner and just really getting into the underbelly of this world and it is a dark comedy you know in spite of the fact that it is about many many dark themes it is ultimately a comedy yeah. with a lot of zany one-off yes. characters and it is really a lot of fun a big mm-hmm. lot of fun in my opinion
1: and I'm i happy- have to- jump in and add that Ellie wrote this play well before the pandemic ever happened and we actually saw the prior developmental production of it in January 2020 right before the pandemic so having just seen that show that is about a three-year-long plague of sleeplessness that people are desperately trying to find a cure for And then going straight into actually living through a pandemic that we all faced is chilling, to say the least. It does make me think that Eleanor is psychic, but who knows? (laughs) So now this... Play has a whole new meaning that it didn't have the first time around. And I think what's beautiful about that is that it was not written in reaction to the pandemic. It was written in reaction to the society as a whole that we live in, which Ellie said just the other day at rehearsal. She said, I'm not psychic, but we could just tell, I could just tell that society was heading here
0: anyway. That's incredible. Well, Eleanor, the show just sounds incredible. I mean, I love a good Noir show. And I like the word you peddled, psycho, what was the word?
2: A psycho caper.
0: A psycho caper. I love that. So with this new kind of show, I'm going to say, what has it been like developing Bloodshot?
2: Oh, wow. It has been a real dream. It really, it has taken the talent and it, it has really taken the trust and the love of so many people to bring it to life. There's so much about this show that is, you know, ultimately about, you know, disassociation and just this feeling of d- just not being yourself and moving through different landscapes of mental health fueled by the themes that I mentioned previously. And so really taking a lot of vulnerability on the part of not only the performers, but the people who are shepherding this in and a lot of trust that there can be that these themes can Coexist with one something that can be seen by the world. So many of the things that we discuss tend to be very private, but also that they can be done so in tandem with humor and kind of you know, and not hopefully not leaving the audience in just a place of despair. You know, a lot of people who have worked on the project previously have said that it actually, ultimately, this piece kind of ends hopefully because if nothing else, it's just this real this realization of like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in having these strange thoughts that kind of disappear once you get off the subway or, you know, once you step into your next whatever it is, you know, all, all of those thoughts that we're really just having with ourselves, you know, before someone asks the next question in our meeting or whatever it is. So yeah, and I just have been blown away by by that. So many of the people who were on board with the original production, which premiered at Target Margin theaters, The Doxy, Uh, Venue in the Exponential Festival. That was the production Danielle saw and mentioned in 2020. So many people from that original production were able to stay aboard, continue building that world. And so it was also just an incredible experience coming back to that after three years, after everyone had been through what they went through in their own pandemic experience and the growth that happened there. That's fantastic. I love all that.
0: Now, Danielle, I want to come back to you since you are with She NYC Arts. You are the producing company of not only Bloodshot, but the other show it's playing in rep with, which is Fort Huachuga. What has it been like developing these two shows in rep for you?
1: Yeah, it came about somewhat by accident. We first read the script to Fort Huachuca in 2019 for our 2020 festival. In 2020, around March, we had accepted all of our playwrights for our 2020 New York and LA festivals. And then the pandemic hit, so we had to transfer everything and do it all online. And everyone did a beautiful job of bringing really full productions into these filmed versions. And I remember the night when Fort Huachuca premiered as a part actually of our Shia Lay Festival in Los Angeles. And like our whole staff was on a group text thread while we were watching the live stream of Fort Huachuca. And we were all just freaking out about it and saying that it was the most amazing thing we've ever seen. We had thrown around the idea of wanting to do a full sit down off Broadway run. And we were all kind of throwing the idea out there. Is this it? Is this the show? But then the pandemic kind of delayed us for another two years. So originally, Originally, we would have loved to do one show in 2021, another show in 2022. But once the we got through the pandemic, we thought, you know what? We're already behind on this plan. Why not try to do two shows at once? And I had loved seeing Bloodshot. And I felt that the two shows just worked together so well. Because they're about similar themes, but they are they take place in such different times. One in sort of an alternate reality modern time, which is Bloodshot. And then Fort Huachuca, which takes place in World War II. And they're both about people of color who are serving their country or serving their community. As Ellie mentioned, Bloodshot's about a a detective and a coroner in the police force. And then Fort Huachuca is about a group of women who serve as nurses in World War II and a Japanese American soldier who volunteers to serve in World War II as well. And so seeing all these different perspectives of, you know, what, what does it mean to be an American? What is American pride worth? How do you deal with the pressures that America puts on you while also trying to serve that country at the same time. And what's so interesting about these two shows is every single character has a different answer to that question between these two pieces. And so that's why I really love them together. On the other hand, I think coming out of the pandemic, when theater is in a financially precarious situation across the country, models like these are actually a smarter way to produce new works. It You can... You can't produce two shows for the price of one, but you can produce two shows for the price of one and a half. You can get two new voices, new playwrights out there on stage at the same time. And you can also give your audience members better choices of what they want to see. Audience members can, if, you know, Fort Huachuca isn't their cup of tea, then they can see Bloodshot instead and vice versa. If they see one and love it, they might want to buy a ticket to come back and see the other one. So overall, while it sort of came about by accident, it's now become like a really smart financial decision. That I hope maybe some other companies will start thinking about picking up as well.
0: That is amazing. I love that model. I love the the thinking behind it. So that's wonderful. Yeah. I want to start with you, Danielle, on this, and I'm wondering what is the message or thought that you're hoping your audiences take away from She NYC Arts Productions in general.
1: Well, like I said, we had our first two previews this weekend. We were in tech all last week doing these two shows. And so I obviously am biased. I'll, I'll come out and say that. But I'm just going to say these shows are both freaking awesome. They are absolutely incredible. They've both come so far since the last productions. That I mean, I'm so in awe of every single artist and every single actor that's involved in this. Our directors have just transformed these, uh, or this theater into two very unique worlds. Um, and last night, an audience member came out of the show, an older person, saying that was the best play I've ever seen about Bloodshot. So I, what I want audience members to leave the theater saying is, "Holy shit." When we actually work equitable practices into this industry, when we find writers, not by who has an agent and who knows someone and who has enough money to produce their own shows, but when we find writers in a way that's equitable, when we invest in their work in a better way, when we invest in early career artists fully, we can actually get way better results and way better products. So I hope it inspires some other people to get rid of the old way of doing theater and start to try and break down those barriers and those norms.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that, Eleanor. I want to zoom in even more, and I want to focus on your show a bit. And I want to ask, you know, what is the messenger thought you're hoping the audiences take away from bloodshot?
2: Oh, wow. gosh. There's so many. I think that I you know, in in i in the dedication of this script, i I say that it's for those who let the sadness in. There's a moment in the show where a character is talking about how their friend would let the sadness in and that's what made them a good person, able to relate with others. It's how they were able to get so close so fast. And I suppose, you know, in in a world that can be so empty and just we're always feeling like we're lacking, we're always feeling that we just can't make it to that next Level that we're trying to do, and you know, again, whether it's wh- whether it is because of the the systemic inequities at play in America, or or whether it's because of interpersonal relationships, just this reminder to to be a little tender, this reminder to listen to each other, and I mean, all of that is you know probably buried in there, layers deep, you know, under a lot of really snarky jokes and you know, <laughs> gory settings and everything. But I think that at the core it's about that connection. Some very unlikely characters end up, I think, appealing to the audience and to each other, sort of pairing up as teams and seeing that there's this, you know, there, there, there's these really kind of just a lot of sinister and ugly characters that that yield this like laughter and affection as they pop up from scene to scene. And, you know, I think it's 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 a lot about the unexpected Expected, and how sometimes we're finding relief in places that we're not necessarily anticipating. And the things that help us can vary from person to person. And yeah, really, and also just that you need a bit of a release. Because, you know, there's, there's, of course, all of us are, what's the word I want to use? Within all of, within all of us, there are two wolves. No, sure. But like, really, there's, there's, it's it's very ego and the id. It's very ego and, and alter ego in, in that way. And so how do we How do we allow those things to coexist within ourselves? How do we make sure that we're not shutting out our true desires just so that we can live and be our best selves in the world?
1: I was going to add that like what I love about Ellie's work, and it's true of like the prior shows that she had also developed with us at SheNYC, is that Ellie really focuses on the absurd and how the world that we live in is completely absurd when you think about it. We all just go about life as if things are normal all the time, but it's actually totally crazy. And I think that relates a lot to our mission at She and as well, is that especially as women, we are taught to deal with things and be quiet about things that when you think about it, are actually totally, totally crazy. And so I love the way that Ellie just pokes at the absurdities in life and within Bloodshot, she makes them actually laugh out loud funny in one moment and then the next moment, like stab your heart and rip it out. And so, yeah.
0: I love that. And there's nothing quite like humor to relax or put an audience at ease to really get to them about important matters. So I love that you're using that to both of you in a way to, to get to that with, with people. Well, to wrap up this first part of the interview, I want to ask both of you basically the same question, which is who do you hope have access to your show or your company? and eleanor i'm actually going to start with you first
2: in asking matt who do you hope have access to bloodshot i hope that everyone everyone should have access to it no i mean you know i i i mean first i mean yeah truly truly everyone although my my family did ask me if it was appropriate for children and i was like it is decidedly not appropriate for children unless these children can talk about you know the experience of paying taxes and having to, you know, wrestle with your mental health and like, you know, come out, come out the other side of it. And like, no, I I would, I would say, I would say, please, please keep your youths at home. I'm not even sure if it's appropriate for adults, frankly, but we were there last night. So I think it's all right. I would love for, I mean, I guess unpacking that everyone answer, I would love for people who, who, who love theater to come see it, but also for people who, are not necessarily theater people to come see it. I think that there is a lot about the text that in making it read like a noir but like a noir film but still having it be, you know, a staged production where there is a lot of a lot of what you're hearing is being described to you and you're not seeing on stage. And so it is something that really calls for you to use your imagination and to kind of go to the limits of what your imagination is bringing to you, and you know, people in the previous run said that they just hadn't experienced a a show like this, anything like this happening on stage, where they were asked to really fill in so much of the blanks and then navigate that as maybe you realize that. All is not what it seems on the stage. To that end, however, I I'm I'm so excited to be doing this with GNYC because they have always made accessibility uh, part of their mission as well. And, you know, and and were the first producing organization that I ever worked with that in the you know pre pre-production was saying, if you need ASL interpreters, American Sign Language interpreters, please let us know so that we can have accessible performances. And I remember Danielle, I was talking to you once and this is when we Drew and I, my husband and I co-wrote a show that was in the NYC Festival in 2019 that was an adaptation of The Hunchback of Notre Dame in which Quasimodo, who, you know, if you're familiar with the Disney version, was like a singing, dancing, you know, hearing individual, was actually written in Victor Hugo's original, original novel as a deaf character. He's a deaf man. And in discovering that in our dramaturgy, we were like, we want to honor for this. And so we should be casting a deaf actor for it. And and, and, and and you know, all of that entails in terms of getting a team of interpreters involved and building a community of of deaf and hearing actors to create this show together. And so I brought it up. I was like, Danielle, I remember that you mentioned this at the beginning. And Danielle was like, yeah, you know, and it's something that we've always provided. And more and more people are starting to take us up on it. It's great. But just to, re- you know, just to, to, to point to, the fact that there are very different worlds in theater that don't connect to each other because people aren't having those conversations and making things accessible. So SheNYC was really the first organization that encouraged and supported that in terms of getting, of like truly, you know, going back again to the, who do you want to see the show? Everyone, like who do you want the show to be accessible for? Literally everyone. And so I feel so grateful that that is something where I don't, we we don't need to question if it's a possibility because SheNYC is... Right there and step with us. So that is fantastic.
0: That is so wonderful to hear. And it's flipping great. it over to Danielle, who do you hope have access to She NYC Arts?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, plus one, Ellie, that Bloodshot is a fantastic show for people who hate theater. It's, and I honestly think that that's the sign of a great play or a great musical is if you know your grumpy old uncle who's like I hate plays can come to it and be like whoa that I hate plays but that was actually really good that's like that means you're really reaching the most people possible and so that's that's what I think is sort of behind like my mission personally as a human being and she NYC's mission more broadly is how can we reach the most people possible and be inclusive of the most people possible and making, not just reaching them, but making them feel welcome and feeling like they can come into the fold. Whether that's people with disabilities who normally can't go see the theater, or if that's people who normally say they don't like theater. If anybody out there is saying, I don't like theater, I don't like plays, I don't like musicals, I think they're right. I think it's our fault, as it's our problem as theater makers, to make stuff that they will like. If the TV world, if the film world can make stuff that all Americans somewhere will like, then theater should be doing that as well. So we're always trying to reach people who normally may not be reached by things like this. That's also why, shameless plug, we're gonna be doing digital performances of Bloodshot in Port Wachuca. We do that with all of our festival shows as well, where we film them and stream them for five bucks online so that people from all over the country or people who are not comfortable coming into the theater post-COVID or people who need captioning can experience the shows as well. So in summary, I think the type of person that I would most like to see at both these shows and SHE NYC Arts as a whole are people who feel unheard elsewhere.
0: want to switch things up for the second part of our interview now and give our listeners a chance to get to know the two of you a little bit better. Pick your brain, if you will. And I want to start by asking the two of you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past, or just some of your favorites? And Danielle, if I can start with you first on that.
1: Oh, gosh. Okay. Thinking quickly, who inspires me? So Weirdly enough, I actually work both in the arts industry and in the political industry. And I think that there's actually a lot of overlap between these two industries that we don't see or talk about nearly as much as we should. But I always joke that running a political campaign is the exact same skill set as producing a Broadway show. There's so much overlap there. And so I find that a lot of what inspires me in my theatrical work comes from women and people of color in positions of power in our political system, because in order to be able to make it to that place in our political system as a marginalized person, you have to be so clear and so direct with your storytelling, so clear with your messaging, you have to really be able to pick up on what people want and need by the masses, and be able to clearly articulate that and you have to be able to problem solve and provide solutions. And so when somebody like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for example, is so good at getting those messages across clearly. I think we in the arts and theater industry can learn a lot from somebody like that and put that into our own work. But then the same goes vice versa. I think the political industry needs a lot more artists involved with it. We want to get good messages out there. We want to get messages across. We want to inspire people to take action, make people feel like they have a voice. We have to do that through art. Politics can change the laws that we're forced to live by, but art, TV shows, theater, musicals, movies is what actually changes people's minds so that they're happy to, you know, make America a more inclusive and equitable place. So that was a weird answer to that question, but with 10 seconds to think of it, that's the first thing that came to mind. (laughs) I hope that works.
0: I think that's a brilliant answer though. I really, really love that. And I love how you... Uh, for lack of a better term, cross pollinate with your skills. I
2: think that's brilliant, Eleanor. What or who inspires you? Oh boy. Okay. So my answer is is so it's so much more. My answer is so it's so it's very different. It's very different. What inspires me? Music inspires me. I think really at the core, I am very loyal to my favorite music, and i I love, I love the cohesive poetry of sound and words. And, you know, honestly, it's not just music, it's conversation. I People inspire me. I love writing to the way that people speak. I love conversations. I love seeing what, you know, kind of makes people tick. This, in the least, I don't know, like, I don't have any idols sort of a way. I I don't, I've often thought to myself, like, do I have any, do, do I, do I have any idols? I've had this, I've been, I've been navigating this since high school, when some people had their, you know, rooms laid out with like Justin Timberlake posters, like, or horses, like whichever, you know, <laughs> would pick a side. But I I not really over here, you know, I was I was I was very into my headphones didn't go anywhere without my music. And, and and I just, I, you know, I love I love eavesdropping on conversations. I mean, I guess like what writer doesn't. But I guess by that token, just people inspire me and and the Intimacy of of thoughts on the page. I, that's always where I start when I write or I'm creating something. It's you know it's going back to songs that are really just gripping me in that particular moment and trying to unpack the feelings that are coming out with those words and you know and and I so I suppose someone could say I suppose it's other artists then and I'm like no I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna say that it's other artists all the time. It's really the experience that I'm having with specific songs, specific words, and yeah, that's really it. I it's 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 true. It's honest. Anyone can have that, you know, (laughs) anyone can dive into that. But that's that's really that's really my source there. Gorgeous
0: answer. Wonderful answer. Love it. I want to now ask the two of you my favorite question to ask guests. I'm so excited to hear yours. And that's what is your favorite theater memory.
1: Oh, my favorite theater memory. Oh, well, okay. So I'm just going to go with the first one that came to mind. I This answer might be wrong, but I'm going to go with it. I remember, so when I was a teenager, I lived in Boston and a bunch of my friends and I, we would like save up all of our money from working our, our retail jobs. I worked at the Hallmark store. I could tell you another story about what happens at 11 p.m. in a Hallmark store on Valentine's Day. You'd be shocked at the number of men who come in and buy flowers and sparkly cards at 11 p.m. on Valentine's Day. Anyway so (laughs) we would save up all of our money from working at Hallmark and we would take a bus first thing in the morning from Boston to New York on a Saturday and then we'd see a matinee on Broadway and then a night show on Broadway and then we'd take the midnight bus back to Boston afterwards and one of those trips I saw I guess I must have been I don't know 15-ish I saw the revival of A Chorus Line and that is that my favorite theatrical moment ever? I'm not sure. That's why I'm not sure this is the right answer to your question. But I do know that that was the moment where I got, you know, bit by the bug and knew that like, this was something that I had to be doing for the rest of my life. I just remember sitting there somehow we got really good, like last minute rush seats or something like that. So I remember sitting there in the orchestra and just being completely in awe of it all. And what I realized is that I love Broadway, because I feel like it's the Olympics of art. Like this is the place where the best artists of every discipline, painters, designers, actors, musicians, dancers, directors, all come together to put all of their talents into one bucket and see what product comes out. And so that's when I realized that this is what I really wanted to be involved in for the rest of my life. I did not know what that meant at the time. I did not know that it would Mean that I would start a nonprofit arts organization out of my Brooklyn apartment, but I love that it led me here. So that's my first go-to favorite theater memory.
0: I love that, and that was an incredible production of. A I cool. know. Thank you for sharing that,
2: yeah.
0: Eleanor. How about you? What's your favorite theater memory?
2: As I've been thinking about this for the last couple of minutes, the person that comes. Into my head is Larry Vincent. And Larry Vincent was my music teacher beginning in kindergarten all the way through when I graduated from high school. And he also directed the fourth grade play, the middle school musical where the eighth graders got to have their time to shine. And, and, you know, the, the, the fall show high school, which was for the high schoolers. So we did really, you know, daring ones, the, the, the serious ones in in that fall and he was just incredible. I just remember my 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 older sister, <laughs> my older sister went to school before me, but she, you know, I, I got to see all of her productions and look forward to them when I was, you know, I, I was, I was, I guess, in kindergarten and I saw her fourth grade play. And so I spent another four years being like, I can't wait, like, that's going to be me one day. And he was just, he just made a role for everybody. When we did Little Shop, they were like. 90 people in the cast because everybody who auditioned, if they didn't get, you know, speaking role, they got to be plant person at the end. You know, when he, he really, I went to an international school. And so there was, you know, he, he, there, 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 there was, there was a lot of colorblind casting, but there was also a lot of, very specific casting as well. And in, in ways that, you know, it was never like I, you know colorblind casting now it's, you know, can, can be very offensive. It was never, he was like ahead of the curve in terms of the work that he did. He, he did, I, I believe what it was the first bilingual production of West Side Story because he had the Spanish department who <laughs> could provide support and students who grew up speaking Spanish and they were able to to play the parts. But he just, he was always thinking of everybody. I remember my senior year, he was really trying hard to get the right to Ragtime because he was like, you know, I know what her numbers are and it would be, you know, I, I love this show so much. And I, you know, I, I would love to be able to work with you in that. We ended up not doing it and did the Cabaret instead. And I got to play my green part of Sally Bowles. But he's, he he was amazing and he changed the lives of so many of us. And, you know, I was, I was saying to Danielle too, that when we entered Mezzanine Theater and I was getting, and I was getting the tour, there is a, a Hirschfeld drawing of Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors, which was my first role in one of his plays. And I was like, okay, this is a really good omen. And I mean, just in terms of why, you know, the, the next part's not really, this is not a single memory. And the next thing I'm going to say is not specifically a theater memory. But when my husband and I got married in 2014, we invited him to the wedding and he offered to play piano. And so he played a lot of show tunes and some other of my favorite songs and everything. And also made these hats that said Drew and Ellie on them across that he and his partner wore to the wedding. And so when he passed away in December, 2021, you know, we had a, because of the pandemic, we needed to wait a couple of months to have a memorial back at the school. But, you know, Drew and I made hats that say Larry Vincent on them. And they're like my power hats, you know, I don't have any tattoos, but that's like my power hat when I go into a theatrical space. And he just, he changed everything in my life. He changed everything. He always gave me something to look forward to. He was the first person who was teaching me about quiet inclusivity just by making sure that people felt like they belonged in a space. And when I do theater, the thing that I really want to harness is just the enjoyment of being in a Larry Vincent show. You know, those four days were always the best ones of the year, just being able to hang out with their cast and you know, <laughs> go to the pizza place before our opening night and be like, this is the best thing we've ever done. Oh my gosh. What a beautiful set of memories
0: there. Truly shout out to teachers. We don't praise them enough, but shout out to teachers. So that is, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you both for sharing those memories. Those are so wonderful. Are there any other projects or productions that either of you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you?
1: Yeah, so at NYC every year we do our festivals in New York, LA, Atlanta, and in 2024 we'll be doing our Dallas-Fort Worth Festival for the first time. We hope to be able to continue doing these two shows in rep, Off-Broadway run in the future. Our loose plan at the moment is to do them every other year, and in the off years in between, shift our focus to producing some films. So we actually have a film project in the pipeline right now that we'd be filming around the same time next year which is also from one of our festival alumni playwrights taking their play and adapting it to become a feature film. So we're really excited about that.
2: Eleanor, anything for you? Listen, I'm having another baby in January. So thoughts and prayers, you know, <laughs> support parents and caregivers in theater. <laughs> that's my, That's my shout out.
0: Yes, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you.
2: And big shout
1: out to Art New York, who in addition to owning the theater that we're in, they also gave us a grant to cover child care throughout this process. And that has been so, so,
2: so helpful. So
1: yeah, I hope that they give more money. and I hope lots of people give more money to supporting childcare and theater.
2: Working with CNYC has been such a dream. I would not be able. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where when I first applied to the NYC Festival, For the 2017 Fest, I was just like, this is going to... I was like, this is going to be really big. This is going to be really, really big. And so I, I get very emotional as I think about everything that's happened in the last seven years. But yeah, truly, y'all have just done it right every step of the way. And I'm just so happy to be a part of that journey because I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm one of those, I'm one of those hopeless romantic optimists when it comes to theater still. And it has everything to do with GNYC.
1: You're, you're a dream. You're the dream playwright to work with. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so my final question
0: for the two of you is if our listeners would like more information about She NYC Arts or about Bloodshot or about the two of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you too. How can they do so?
1: Yeah, so we are at she nycarts.org and you will see information about Bloodshot and Fort Huachuca right there at the top of the homepage. We have a limited run, only running through October 14th, so get your tickets as soon as possible. Don't miss it. And then you can follow us on social media at Arts on Instagram and also Twitter and the new one, Threads, which we haven't fully figured out yet, but it's there. So yeah, follow us and join our mailing list. And if you ever have questions or want more in, in, information sorry if you have if you have any questions or want more information you can email info at she nycarts.org. and i know ellie has a website too so you should plug that
2: check out underlords.org not an overlord but underlords.org where you can find some information about the show and in this moment i'm realizing that we do not have a contact Page on that website. So you should also follow me on Instagram, Raise Helenor, That is at R A I S E H E L I N O R. Fabulous. Well, Eleanor, Danielle,
0: thank you so so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This has been such an honor and such a blast. I truly have had so much fun. I'm so excited to be seeing Bloodshot soon and I'm just so excited to see what's next for both of you, especially for She NYC Art. So thank you both so much.
1: Thank you. Can't wait to see you at the show. We'll be yeah. there. Make sure you
2: say hi. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a blast talking to you. You've got great energy. Yeah. Thank okay. you.
0: My guests today have been the artistic director of She NYC Arts, Danielle DeMatteo, and the playwright, Eleanor T. Vanderberg, who are both with the show Bloodshot, playing now through October 14th, and it's running in rep at ART New York. Tickets and more information can be found at SheNYCArts.org. And we also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be putting in our episode description as well as on our social media posts. But make sure you hurry and get your tickets now for Bloodshot, Play now through October 4th. Head to SheNYCArts.org. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies,
1: And keep talking about the theater.
0: In a stage whisper. Thank you.